0: Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club and this very special episode of the Top 10 Run Club Stories of 2023. You know, we love to share the stories that people share with us. And as a matter of fact, we do it every week, right? So we haven't missed a week of this podcast since we began it in March of 2020. But yeah, yeah, that March of 2020. Uh, and over 90% of those episodes included somebody's personal story. So... I love top 10 lists, and so I thought it would be a great idea to put together a top 10 list of my favorite stories of 2023. Now, most of those stories are not included here, right? Out of 50 stories, I can only include 10 of them, so it's impossible to to do the the best 10, right? But they're all so good, but I just looked over the past year, and I just came up with my favorites. So, remember these are only from the year 2023 so if you have a long time favorite story that we've shared in the past and it's not on here it may have been from before 2023 so don't don't fret that I missed your story right and also I've only included one story from somebody's actual story where they read that story themselves Um, a lot of those stories were really long and I didn't want to include stories that were too long uh, because I wanted to do a top 10 list. I didn't want this to be a four hour long podcast. So sit back or keep doing whatever you're doing. Maybe you're out running right now and listen to the top 10 podcast stories from 2023. At number 10, we have a story called Family Matters, Don't Run Out of Time. It was a recent story. It was on episode number 193 from Hope Reagan. It was a really short story, but it paints a great picture of why we need to focus on our family. And sometimes we have to put aside the work and the the hustle and bustle of everyday life, right? Because we can create lifetime memories in those decisions if we'll choose our family right here's a story i wrote in 2014 when my son was in high school an oldie but a goodie i'm sitting at my desk it's 5 45 p.m and i have no idea what i need to do next my email is 12 inches deep do i need to stay at work and finish returning emails do i need to go home and cook dinner for my family I missed my workout earlier this week, and I would really like to go work out tonight. My son Luke has a track meet tonight. Should I go to his meet since I have not been able to attend one this season? I have no idea what I need to do, but I need to make up my mind right now. I chose to go to my son's track meet. Thank the Lord I did because he placed first in both his races. Had I not gone, yes, he would have been disappointed, but I would have been heartbroken that I did not get to share that experience with him. Life is about finding balance every day. We have to learn to put our lives into compartments. We get up in the morning and focus on our families, making the most of a morning rush. Then we get to our jobs and we need to do the very best we can to be successful in our careers. At the end of the day, we should turn the office lights out, go home and focus on what's really important, our family, personal life and our health. The benefits we will gain from finding daily balance in our lives are so rewarding. Picture my son down on the starting block about to run his race. He turns around and waves at me saying, Mom, he was making sure I was watching. After he won the race, he runs to the stands and calls me down to the track. Me, his mom. We high five each other and cherish the moment. In 20 years, I will not remember all those work emails, but I will never forget my son turning around on the starting block and waving at me, his mom. Don't miss out on opportunities to seize the moment with your family. Count your blessings and give thanks for those special moments. I love this story. It's so true, isn't it? It is. Coming in at number nine is a story from one of Run for God's favorite, Rhonda Williams, she has written story after story for us. I don't know how many of her stories we've shared. She were, we, we had, I don't know, four or five probably from this year. So this one is called, This Tree Will Not Fall. Now, this story doesn't include running, or I would probably put it higher on the list because I've probably thought about this story more than any other story this year, with the possible exception of our number one story, which we'll eventually get to. But this story is about how God really can do everything anything my family lived in rural south alabama when i was in high school we had moved from metropolitan orlando florida to a house in the middle of the woods in the middle of nowhere in rural alabama so that's how the 14 year old me saw it that that was a big adjustment for a teenager and i struggled but that's a story for another time The story I want to tell you today is about riding out a Category 4 hurricane in that house in the woods. We had a few days notice that Hurricane Frederick was on his way, so we did our best to prepare for his arrival. The storm was going to arrive in the middle of the night, so we took lots of blankets and pillows to the basement. My parents invited a few neighbors who lived in less sturdy houses to ride out the storm with us, so it was a little crowded in that small basement. When my dad felt we were as ready as we could be, he went outside and looked at all those trees. I wonder if he was second guessing his decision to buy a house in the woods. He walked around the house and laid hands on each tree within reach of our home and declared this tree will not fall. It was a very bold statement to make. Talk about praying with confidence. Frederick made landfall in the late evening at Dauphin Island, Alabama as a Category 4 hurricane and arrived in the middle of the night on our doorstep as a Cat 3. It was a fierce storm. The wind howled eerily. The windows bowed almost to the point of breaking, and no one got any sleep. We huddled together, and we prayed. In the morning, we crept slowly up the stairs, afraid of what we would see when my dad opened the door to the basement. The roof was still on the windows were intact and we saw no damage to the inside of the house hallelujah then we went outside there were trees down everywhere 25 in total but none of the ones my dad laid his hands on fell not one lots of trees succumbed to the wind but the trees my dad prayed over stood firm what a testament to the power of prayer that was 1979 and I still get goosebumps when I think about it. My dad taught me an important lesson that night, one I have never forgotten. He taught me about the power of prayer. One more thing. As fierce as that storm was, only five people lost their lives that night. Evidently, someone else was praying with conviction too. It's an awesome story. Coming in at number eight is a story from the most popular Run Club episode ever. ever. For whatever reason, episode number 169 was the most popular or most downloaded episode in the history of the Run for God Run Club podcast. Um, And this story is called Waving the White Flag. Surely this must be at least a part of the reason why that story was so downloaded, right? So this story is an actual excerpt from an actual book from Aaron Leopold. Um, again, to date, the most downloaded ever. So it seemed fitting that if this was indeed and downloaded that many times, we should share it here on this top 10 list. So here is another good word picture. The air is heavy, as it often is in June in South Carolina, and I am determined to get outdoors to make another attempt at putting in some time on my running shoes. The trails are shaded by large trees along the 3.2 miles of winding asphalt. The creek has enough water to hear the trickle as it moves over the rocks and sand formations. Even though my allergies heighten being outdoors on the trails, I decide to suffer the physical consequences in exchange for the peace it gives my soul. Nothing I do seems to take away the constant symptoms I manage, so I figure I can't stop living and I'll do what my mind says it enjoys. Nature is at the top of this list. Therefore, I choose to do what my spirit dictates instead of listening to my body. I have learned by now that if I listen to my body, I won't do much of anything and I can't accept that for my life. Seeing with my heart is more real than seeing with my eyes. This day is no different. I struggle to regain a regular pattern and schedule of running, and it feels like it will never return the way it was before surgery. As I wrestle to maintain proper form, I begin talking to God. I hold the image of a man running aimlessly, beating the air as described in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I sense this is what I look like to passers by, a body flailing in all kinds of silly directions. My ego is bruised. My body aches. My feet grow numb and frustration envelops my soul. I approach another runner on the trail and I can't wait to get past him so the tears I hold back can finally flow. It's like a breached dam about to burst. As I pass the unfamiliar runner, my eyes blur as the tears fall. God, would you just work with me? I scream in my thoughts. Without a second's delay, I hear the still small voice of God respond. No, Aaron, you work with me. Stunned in my tracks, my running quickly halts as I realize the words I spoke. What did I say? I repeat it aloud several additional times. I question at this moment the belief system I hold based on the words that echo in my mind. I thought I trusted God to grow my faith. I thought I followed his lead and not my own. And I thought I learned the practice of letting go. Everything I know or I thought was a lie, but now I know the truth based on the power of my words. Ugly tears turn into full sobbing, and I don't care at that moment if another person passes by or not. Time stands still, my knees weaken, my posture relaxes, and I raise the white flag of surrender. This meeting happens unannounced to me. The Bible says He knows the end from the beginning, and so He knew all along that it would take place. I merely showed up to run, or so I thought. Marked moments are available for all of us who live in the awareness of God's presence. When we show up, things happen. It requires a prepared yes in our spirit. Finding My Second Wind is my newly released memoir from which the above was taken. You may also find yourself running on an unplanned road and need inspiration, encouragement, and hope. I believe you'll find that in this book. Running through difficult pain, finishing strong with warrior faith. Coming in at number seven is a story called Run and Do Not Grow Weary. This is the one story that I have included from somebody who came and actually shared their story live. This one comes from Keith Sykes, who's an airline pilot with a great story. So this was the most downloaded of all the people who shared their personal stories um, live. This was the most downloaded. So I thought it would be perfect to share this particular story from Keith Sykes. Have at it.
1: So uh, I had a dear friend that served with me uh, in church years uh, prior, and he he was a Marine and spent 14 years as a Marine. He was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, Mm. and he was dying. And so I entered. I decided to enter the lottery for the 2015 Marine Corps Marathon to to honor him. And uh, at this time, I had been running for 10 years. I had completed numerous races, including four full marathons. I was a, a locally competitive age grouper, and uh, just just truly, truly loved running. But I, I had some concerns, and and I didn't put this in the story. But I want to tell you this: I was running a local 10K, and my son was deployed in Afghanistan. My older son. And I had a guy in a kind of nondescript white shirt that said Run for God on it. Come beside come up beside me. This came to my mind when I was preparing for this. And so he came up beside me and he was older than me, but he was faster, I could tell. And and he says to me, How can I pray for you? Yeah. First he asked me about my salvation. Yeah. And I said, Oh, I met the Lord in nineteen eighty four. And he says, so how can I pray for you? And I said, my son is in Afghanistan. This is the hardest thing I've ever done in my lifetime. And he said, what's his name? And I said, his name is Michael. And he prayed for Michael right there while we ran side by side. And then he said, God bless you, brother. We'll be praying for Michael. And off he went into the crowd. Wow. That's <laughs> and, uh, pretty awesome. That was my first encounter with with Run for God. Wow. And so I started looking at this. It had become a huge part of my life. And it was helping me deal with so many things. And I don't really remember remember how it happened, but I stumbled across Mitchell's story. And I uh, started looking at starting a Run for God group. And the guy that was the softball coach became my my closest ally and we talked about this i talked to the pastor and his only stipulation was talk to coach victor Okay. <laughs> talk to coach victor and he helped me uh he helped me start the thing or he promoted it and we did a couch to 5k uh, program we started with 31 18 graduated and including walkers i i included walkers from day one Day Great. one. And uh, it just – because there were people that just couldn't run, had a knee replacement or were heavy or something. So we included them. And um, so uh, I found out during that time while I was working with this group that I had been picked for the – I had won the lottery <laughs> for the Marine Corps Marathon. Yeah. I was going to get to run it, and it was one hot, humid summer. And yet my my group held fast, and the day they graduated – which was in uh, early September, I believe, uh, torrential rain. Wow. And so I had 18 graduates in torrential rain. And they, they, they really showed me something. So six of those wanted to go on and do a 10K. So we started another class and I took the six uh, through 10K while I did another uh, challenge. And of course, graduation day, torrential rain. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and, those, and those, those six, uh, three of those six, might have been four, were so excited about it. They said, can we do a half marathon? And so uh, I I worked with him, got him, uh, including Coach Victor, and we went to to Myrtle Beach and did the Myrtle Beach Mini, uh, which at the time was a point-to-point race from the Myrtle Beach Mall to the boardwalk at a Boston-like finish (laughs) uh, through where uh, the big uh, strip there, and people would just literally line the streets and scream at you. It was great. Oh, wow. It was just great, and they loved it. All of them graduated. And it was on Sunday, and our uh, pastor gave us permission to uh, do it. And uh, the Lord put on my heart before we started so here's your mission, and this is what we're going to talk about after the race is over. And uh, Before we do our devotional time and our, our uh, prayer time, this is what this is what the Lord put on my heart. I want you to tell two people while we're here. We so were no. wearing jerseys that were very distinct, had scripture verses on them, yeah. And team, and uh, and our team, and uh, I want you to tell two people. And oh, uh, uh, Dean, uh, the the stories, yeah, the stories, That's and awesome. everybody did it. And one guy in the last mile did both. Oh wow! <laughs> and he was so shy, and uh, the last mile—it it was just just wonderful. Uh, and so these are some of the greatest memories of my life. I'll bet. I'll bet. Uh, wow. uh, and I bet, I bet. Wow! And I—I still—I uh, actually sent Coach Victor a, a text this morning, told him where I was going. <laughs> so he's going to be—I can't wait to hear from him. Uh, and and so I—I uh, 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 I taught people from day one that this is not just for beginners. That this is something that you can use to get back. Mm-hmm. If you ever lose your way or something happens, this is a way you could get back. And sadly, I had no idea that I was going to be using my own words. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, March seventh, twenty seventeen, Key West, Florida. On a uh, on an overnight, I went out for a four mile run, and uh, out of Proverbs four, it stood out to me to be careful the path of your feet. And I thought it had to do with a church situation uh, and my attitude toward it. And I went around a power pole and tripped on a, a surveying stake that had a little piece of green tape on top of it. I caught my left foot on it and I stumbled six steps rather than doing the smart thing and just rolling into the grass. Yeah. I tried to stay on my feet, landed on my knee on the sidewalk and arms stretched out, free to freestyle swimming position. Mm. And, uh, but uh you know uh then you're you're a long-term runner i bet you've
0: had a lot of injuries oh i've had mine i've i've had that happen to me that exact thing i've had happen so yeah uh,
1: so i've had a lot of injuries yeah and they all went away the knee yeah. i thought the knee i thought that was it i thought it was shattered it was bruised mm-hmm. Yeah. A couple yeah. weeks, it was fine. Wow. Uh, and just the abrasions hurt worse than the, the actual uh, bruising.
0: Well, but, and the embarrassment of getting back up afterwards, I think, sometimes hurts about as bad as any of it. <laughs> yeah,
1: I finished the run. Yeah. It's probably not the smartest thing I ever did. Um uh, blood running down my leg and, and whatever else. And so uh, I, I didn't. Uh, by the next day, my, my crew was saying, you need to go to ER. You no, know, you can barely move. You can't reach into the overhead. I'm having to switch hands to reach into the overhead wow. in the airplane. The other guy was helping me. And when I got home, uh, it's uh, crazy, two years, two years. Mm. And uh, someone discovered that they could make that pain go from one arm to the other. MRIs, nobody could figure out what was wrong. And a young orthopedist right out of medical school said to me, it's your cervical spine. And so he ordered an MRI, and we went to look at it, and uh, sure enough, it was in really, really bad shape. Really, really scary. Yeah. By this time I was losing grip in my hands. Oh my it, God. it was so bad that uh, it could have been, could have been. It was definitely life threatening at that point. It was definitely career threatening. I never stopped running through all this. Yeah, so I was doing wow. okay, but the surgeon that I talked to, he said your your time is short on this. Yeah, I put it off six more months and was really losing the grip, especially my left hand, which is one of the major hands that I need in the airplane. Yeah, and so uh, so a running injury had led me to find something that was already there i didn't see it like that at the time i really resented this i didn't want to have the surgery i didn't want to take three months off from running and so i went and had the surgery and went in there in fear and trembling and yes i prayed of course i did (laughs) (laughs) but i just i was so uneasy about it and came out and there were complications yeah and uh, i I, i've never really gotten the my my fingers still tingle and the surgeon says you you waited too late And so but uh full grip and everything, so I'm able to do my job. But while I was recovering, this was in the surgery was in December 2019, while I was recovering I caught some mystery illness.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Mystery illness that we know now. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I
1: I had a terrible cough. I lost my sense of taste and smell. I couldn't get out of bed, didn't want to eat anything, or even I didn't even want to drink water. And this thing went on for months. And of course, I got back to work. Uh, in March of 2020 and the whole world shut down. Yeah. And I couldn't run, Dean. I couldn't run, which uh, was my go Because of the way you were feeling? Uh, I, I couldn't run because I was still recovering from the surgery. Yeah. I had okay. not been cleared to run. So I started walking and I could walk fast and I really hadn't started gaining that much weight, but, uh, it was, it was a rough time. And when I did get where I could run, starting in April, uh, the airline paid me not to come to work. And that's that's a whole different story, but that's how I finished the master's degree. Wow! Uh, Was uh, and it all looked it looked awful. You know, at the time, my life just just looked horrible. I couldn't run. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, the airline was paying me not to come to work, but the only thing that didn't shut down was counseling agencies. And I had agonized for years while I went through this program about what am I going to do when I get to internships. And the one thing that didn't shut down was counseling agencies. Yeah, and so I got my internships in while the airline paid me. wore airline clothes. Wow. <laughs> with casual shirts, <laughs> yeah. airline pants and shoes they paid for <laughs> and everything else and went and uh, got paid to be a counselor <laughs> while I was an intern. Wow. I didn't even have a master's degree. And so uh after being diagnosed with long covid, I was struggling with <laughs> uh plantar fasciitis in one foot. I heard mm. you talk about that. Yep. Uh a a, a uh, a hip injury. Uh, when you started describing that yesterday, it's like, that's gotta be so ass. Because yeah. I had a problem with the psoas. <laughs> nice. yeah, and, yeah. uh, and and so that flares every once in a while with mm. me. And last year, I, I got hurt in a training accident. I was, I was doing well. I was doing fine, beginning to kind of get my moxie back. And uh, I went off a, a slide in a mock evacuation drill, twisted my right knee, oh. and the thing got huge. Oh. I, uh, Dean, I couldn't even cycle. Oh, I couldn't no. get on an elliptical, couldn't cycle, couldn't do a rowing machine, could barely lift upper body weights. And so here we go again. Golly. And uh, you know, we're uh, by this time, we're three years into this yeah. one injury after the other mm-hmm. and the weight gain was really, really happening. And when I got where I couldn't even cycle, then I started packing it on. Yeah. Uh, it's really hard. So uh, I don't know if you wanted to pause there.
0: Well, at some, point, at some point in time, I guess you got to the point where you, um, you were able to, to, to walk, to run or, or do something, right? I guess, well, after, after The doctor
1: that. cleared me. And what's, what's really cool, medical professionals over the year, have not years have not been real complimentary of my running.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> I, I've heard that enough. Yeah. It's,
1: it's, it's usually they're like, well, I'm glad that a man your age can. Keep his weight off like this, but I'm not sure this running is good for you. And, and it's like, I've, I've heard this so many times. So, uh, I, I finally found the time to get an MRI on that knee.
0: Yeah. And
1: it was clearly a meniscus injury. Yeah. And it's like, I know that I know I'm going to have to get cut again. Yeah. And I go in there and the thing, uh, this doctor tells me, he says, that meniscus is not torn. Okay. And he said, I know that hurts. It has a lot of swelling in it. He said, but it's not torn. And he, and he said, um, he said, I, I think, uh, that running has kept you has kept your your body really strong that 's right
0: that 's right,
1: and he said it probably would have torn with anybody else, it probably would have torn, yeah, and so uh, it, despite my discouragement i 'm like, okay, mm-hmm. so uh, some things happened structurally with me over the years that I ran, two thousand and five to what two thousand and nineteen that I ran just about every single day right. uh, and and so I got strong. And he said, you can do whatever you want to do. Just reference the pain in that knee because yeah. if it starts swelling again, it's going to hurt. It could tear. Yeah. And so I started walking more, started cycling again, which hurt at first. Yeah. And uh, at some point, uh, I, I changed from being a, a minimalist runner to, to carrying my phone with me and uh, started listening to the Run for God podcasts because I found them extremely motivational tried to do them the first my first workout of the week and it's like the rest of the week i was thinking about them wow and i don't remember (laughs) who it was but i remember somebody talking about starting over yeah and saying i I don't know if it was gay or who it was but said at some point i just said i gotta do this again yeah and one day it was like it, it probably was yeah one day it was just like i gotta try i gotta try to run And so I went back through my notes from my classes and the things that I read.
0: Yeah. (laughs) All that stuff you said is now bouncing off the wall and coming right back to you. Yes.
1: And I'm just like... Thank you, Lord. Yeah. And one day I ran, yeah. and uh, you know I did the five minute intervals. I didn't. I tried starting at the beginning. It wasn't quite enough. Yeah. So I, I just jumped in, and I kept jumping ahead and jumping ahead, and and there we were. <laughs> this is the way walk in it.
0: Coming in at number six is another story from Rhonda Williams. I, I, I hesitated to share more than one story from one person, but i love this one Um, it's called when the Well runs dry it was in episode number 178 um, and it it talks about what happens when you're out of well anything this story talks about what to do when you find yourself out of gas in whatever you are doing i'm a writer or at least trying to become one but lately i have been in a serious dry spell I keep waiting for inspiration, but none comes. Has the spring that feeds my well dried up? Will it ever flow again? What can I do? It's been a real struggle. During a discussion with my Run for God group in the importance of building and maintaining a good base for running, it dawned on me that although I've been carefully nurturing my running base, I have been neglecting my base for writing. All those easy, slow runs, junk miles they call them, provide the foundation for good performance and enjoyable runs. You will not be able to run fast or far without them, and in fact, will set yourself up for an injury, so it's important to incorporate slow, easy miles into your plan along with the speed and hill work. Each activity has a different function, and together they create a successful running program. Building a solid foundation isn't something you do just once either. You work at it every week, even during the off-season. I realized that the well of inspiration ran dry because I stopped reading. A successful professional writer gave me a good piece of advice a few years ago. He said that to be a good writer, you have to be a good reader. Read often and read everything, he said. Books, magazine articles, fiction, nonfiction, Christian, secular, read it all and you will learn. I had begun to feel that I was being self-indulgent when I spent more than a few minutes reading and I had to remind myself that reading is an essential part of writing. It's not a luxury, it's part of my job, just like those easy slow runs. So I started reading everything I could get my hands on and it didn't take long for inspiration to strike. Has your spiritual well run dry? Not getting the guidance or answers from your God from God you've been seek, asking for? Ask yourself if you've been neglecting your base. Just as slow, easy runs build a base for successful running and reading creates fertile ground for writing, time with God builds a good spiritual foundation. And just like running and writing, we need to nurture that foundation every day, not just on Sunday. Maybe you have read the Bible from cover to cover and no longer feel the need to read it weekly, much less daily. What would happen if you stopped running the slow, easy miles and only did speed work? You might end up on the the couch nursing a pulled hamstring and a very sore butt from overworked glute muscles. So, if you're feeling like you're in a dry spell spiritually, you may want to take the advice that writer gave to me. Read often and read everything. Read a chapter or just a few verses and then read the notes in your study Bible so you'll have a better understanding of the passage. Don't have a study Bible? There are plenty of free commentaries online. Desire God's pure word as newborn babies desire milk. Then you will grow in your salvation. That's First Peter two two. Also, read devotions. Running in faith is a pretty good one. The Run for God podcast is another great source of inspiration. Participate in group Bible studies so you can hear different perspectives. 1 Corinthians 14.26 tells us, What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Attend services on Sunday and listen to the words of the songs and hymns. In addition to the sermon, you may find that the wellspring of health and inspiration will soon start flowing again.
1: Rhonda never has a loss for words. No, she. Uh, well, she
0: says that she did. Well, I, but obviously she didn't. <laughs> Coming in at number five is one of our favorites because, well, he's kind of the comedian. Of our group. This is a very recent story. It was episode number 194. It comes from Jerry Snyder, who, as you know, is a joyful guy and always trying to make us laugh. And this one made me laugh. So, again, he has written many stories for the podcast, but I think this is one of my favorites. And you know why? Well, I kind of loved this really simple message with this one. We are usually told to think big, but Jerry, stands that notion on its head and tells us to think like a mosquito remember to look up at the stars and not down at your feet try to make sense of what you see and wonder about what makes the universe exist be curious and however difficult life may seem there is always something you can do and succeed that's stephen hawking the theoretical physicist Once upon a time, I heard a motivational speaker ask his audience if anyone had ever been bitten by an elephant. (laughs) No hands went up. Next, he asked if anyone had ever been bitten by a mosquito. Everyone raised their hand. The point he was making is little things make a big difference. For example, it only takes a few seconds to double knot the laces on your running shoes before a race. This could mean the difference between first place, second place, or even an ugly stumble on the road. And how about those magic words, please and thank you? These are little things that never go out of style. So be kind to the bank teller, the supermarket cashier, the clerk at the dry cleaner, and all folks at all stops in between. This little gesture will make it a better day for you and them. How about a smile? Long ago, someone gave me this advice. If you see someone without a smile, give them one of yours. Once again, a little thing that can make a big difference in your life as well as the person you're smiling at. Over the years, I've enjoyed several classes in comedy writing. I think the most helpful advice I received was, be a a little interested in everything. And when exploring something for the first time, ask, What's funny about this? I'm not a fan of major sports like football, basketball, or baseball, but I do from time to time enjoy reading a biography of a star player and learning something from their climb to the top. And with a great sense of patriotism, I'll watch the Army-Navy football game. There is something special about a little thing called curiosity. And you just never know when this little thing can lead you to something big. Walt Disney creator of Mickey Mouse said, we keep moving forward, doing new things because we're curious and curiosity keeps us leading down new paths. Here are a few suggestions for exercising your curiosity muscles this week. Take a different route to work. Listen to a different radio station. Try a different topping on your pizza. Seek out a new restaurant. Wear your underwear on the outside (laughs) of your pants. (laughs) This is sure to be a conversation starter with strangers. (laughs) Shop at a different grocery store. If you've never taken dance lessons, sign up for one. Visit a music store, buy an instrument, and learn how to play it. Have some fun. Expand your horizons. I agree with Albert Einstein, who said, The mind that opens to a new idea never returns to its original size.
1: Oh, I, I'm just sitting here. Curiosity's killing me. I wonder if Jerry has ever actually wore his underwear on the outside of his pants. <laughs>
0: Coming in at number four is a story called To God Be the Glory. It came out in episode number 177. And wow, this story was written from so deep in Wendy Vick's heart. You can just feel it come through. It's about her husband's death and what she learned from it. It is a powerful story. I think you will agree. I submitted part of my story that made it into episode 150. Should I keep running? It was a period when I was definitely in a valley. My husband, Rod, had been in hospice for 30 days. He had not eaten or drank for 33 days. I did not really know how he was still living. I'm a nurse and had had dedicated my time to keeping him in our home until death do us part. I was tired since I was his main caregiver family and friends had been had been asked not to come per his wishes so he could be remembered as he was my personal splurges that i gave myself were to run on the treadmill in the next room and to get my dog out for walks i know sometimes the dying wait until a loved one is out of the room so whenever i was leaving i would announce i would be gone running or walking the dog for an hour i would come back hopeful and afraid at the same time that rod had passed The most frustrating part was that I could not remember the last time we had a conversation that Rod was able to really participate in as the days went by. I had no idea what God's plan was, so I kept praying. Many times, since I did not know what to say or ask anymore, I stated, God, you know what is on my heart, and the Lord's prayer was said a lot. The night of Rod's death was the night I wrestled with the question, Should I keep running? It was a Sunday night, a couple of hours before midnight, and I had just checked on Rod. Since I was awake, I decided I needed to review and complete my sticky notes for my Run For God chapter that I had not completed, plus make a decision if Monday I was getting back on the treadmill or not. After rereading the chapter, I felt the Holy Spirit give me the clarity that I should run, and I wrote down my thoughts. I returned to go to bed with a sense of accomplishment and pleased that I had made a decision. As I was getting settled next to Rod, I noted Rod's breathing rhythm changed. Snore, no breath, snore. Changes in breathing can indicate the end of life is near. I turned off the K-Love radio app. I had it on to try to drown out his incessant snoring that had been going on all day. It was playing Christmas music. Rod always said Christmas music should only be allowed on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, so he might have died because I drove him to it. (laughs) Anyway, I grabbed my husband's hand in mine and began praying the Lord's Prayer. Then I read a prayer for the dying and at the time of death from my portals of prayer devotion to and for him. I concluded by freelancing a prayer from my heart. When I was done, there was absolute silence. Rod was no longer breathing. I verified that there was no heartbeat. He had left for his heavenly home. I was elated that God had taken him in such a wonderful way from me, such a beautiful end to our story. I called hospice to inform them of the news. The lady who answered, her name was Wendy, just like me, and in my giddiness with my happy ending, I just poured out my story. I think I rated as one of the happiest people ever at the death of a loved one my story gave people goosebumps and it gets even better i'm confident rod is in heaven i figured out just minutes after his death at midnight that it was rod's dad's birthday and he would be greeted in heaven by him and others who had gone before rod wanted to make it through one more gun hunting season which had concluded on that sunday he did not get to go hunting but god granted his wish I had him buried in his dad's red and black checked hunting clothes. Rod always wanted to get his picture taken in them with a deer he had shot, but never did it. I thought this was better yet. The best part was on the morning of his funeral as I got going for my early run. Rod had owned a pheasant hunting preserve and closed it when he was diagnosed with cancer, so no pheasants had been around for over a year. As I got near the end of my run, a pheasant walked directly in front of the window I looked out over our land, and mere minutes later, a deer walked back the other way. It verified for me that Rod was at peace and with God, so how could I be sad? It was such a comfort that I couldn't help but share it with our friends and family. God still has a purpose for me to fulfill here and now, yet when my time is concluded, I will join Rod in heaven. Until then, I keep running the race God has me on. I hope I do it well.
1: Golly, bum!
0: Our number three story is entitled, Not Too Fat to Run. It was episode number 187, and I love that title. You know, my mother would not let us use the word fat when I was a kid, um, but I think it is powerful to call things what it really is, and to deal with it head on. And that's exactly what Pam Bishop does in this story. So I hope that you enjoy Not Too Fat to Run. When I first started this couch to marathon journey, I mostly kept it, at a, kept it a secret. I was afraid that people would take one look at me and know that I wasn't going to be able to run a marathon because I really don't look like a runner. I'm obese three pregnancies and the busyness of parenting three small children left little time for addressing my health and wellness needs years of failed diets left me heavier than ever i got to the point where i really thought i was too fat to run but in january i answered god's call to do the impossible run a marathon he wasn't he was saying don't worry about the marathon just be obedient in what you need to do today and trust that i will get you to the finish line That first day was intervals, 60 seconds of running and 90 seconds of walking. It was hard, but I did it. Showing up one day at a time led me from 60 seconds of running to 20 minutes of running and finishing a 5K and then a 10K. On Saturday, I ran eight miles. A few days ago, I registered to run the Mississippi River Marathon in February, and I have been telling everyone, I don't want to keep it a secret. Although I have lost some weight on this journey, I'm still obese. So when someone gives me a questioning look when I tell them I'm training for a marathon, I get to tell them about my God who loves to make the impossible possible. About how obedience and faith in the small things like running helps me to obey and trust God in the big things. God did not say, lose 70 pounds and then you will be a runner. Just like he never said, make yourself perfect and then I will use you. God wants to do great things through his children for the purpose of glorifying himself and bringing the lost into salvation. I do not have a natural ability for running, but God has given me a joy for running that he can use as a light to draw people to Jesus. There are times when God calls us to do impossible things for his glory. He did not promise to give us confidence in our own abilities, but he did say that he would equip us once we agreed to follow him into the unknown. The prophet Isaiah was very aware of the of his own sin and inadequacy, but that didn't stop him from responding to God with, here I am, send me. A modern day story of a believer's willingness to serve God in an unimaginable way is that of Todd Beamer, the man on flight 93 known for his last words before the plane went down, let's roll. Neither Isaiah nor Todd were prepared for what they were getting into, but God honored their faithfulness by using them both in mighty ways. Running a marathon is not as terrifying as facing a rebellious nation or terrorist, but the willingness to respond to God in faith when facing the unknown is the greatest offering we can give to our Lord and Savior. I recently ran eight miles. That's a far cry from 26.2. But I am trusting God with the impossible and with the unknown. It is going to be so awesome to see my Run for God family cheering for me at the end of the marathon. But as amazing as that will be, it pales in comparison to how much I long to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant, when I finally finish this great earthly race. Pam gets it. Our number two story is one that's shared from somebody's heart. It is called The Path. It was in episode number 166, and it talks about how God can bring us back from the brink of any kind of life disaster, right? Linda Holloway shares that she understands this like few people do. She shares her struggles, and she talks about how God helped her overcome them. (laughs) I started running at age 40 out of desperation. I never thought running was something I could do that I would enjoy or depend upon so much. I certainly never thought it was something that would connect me to God. In my late 20s, I went through a divorce. One of the ways I coped with the separation was hiking and walking out my emotional distress. One sad day, I was plodding along, lost in thought, and came to the top of a hill and was stopped for a rest. When I turned around and looked behind me, I was overcome with a very real, very intense feeling. My senses were heightened, but there was no agitation, only peace. Despite the overcast day, the trail was completely illuminated by sunlight. A thought came to me with perfect clarity, as if spoken aloud. Stay on the path, and you'll be all right. I was an agnostic at the time and I looked at this experience to mean or took this experience to mean that I had been given some kind of guidance and reassurance by some unknown force. Oddly, I felt no need to define it, define it or investigate further, but I took comfort in the message I'd been given. Unfortunately, I failed to abide by its simple direction. I spent the next decade convincing myself that I was on the path while knowing on some level that I was not. I told myself I was doing great when in reality I was fighting my way through the muck and uh, and the thorns of life. I led a willful, selfish existence. I was the center of a universe and everything and everyone was to revolve around me. I had to be in control and then life happened and I wasn't able to control it. My ex-husband sued me for custody of our son while I was pregnant with my youngest child at the time. I had to go to trial 10 days before my due date. 16 days after my daughter was born, my ex-husband died in a tragic, horrible death. I had severely—I had a severely traumatized 16-year-old and a 2-year-old and a newborn. I began to lean on the bottle to help me cope and escape, and my alcohol consumption took a scary turn. The only way I can describe it is that as soon as I turned to it, it sunk its claws into me and took over. It wasn't long before I had no control and no choice. I was so far off the path, I didn't know if I could ever get back. As I looked at what was ahead of me, I knew there was nothing good. Unless something changed, only bad things were going to happen. Even in the face of that knowledge, I was unable to stop. I was moments, inches away from some catastrophic consequence, and I couldn't stop drinking one morning after a night of particularly bad behavior i woke up in the absolute certainty that i was an alcoholic a tremendous wave of relief washed over me the horrible internal conflict i had been in the grips of was resolved i hit my knees and asked a god that i wasn't sure about and didn't entirely believe in to help me and he did that terrible compulsion to drink was lifted and is yet to return. Early on in those first days without the bottle, I remember wondering, shaky, uncertain, terrified, what now? Somehow, some way, my feet found their way to the pavement, and it was good. It was right. I started running because I had to do something to outrun the craziness thrashing around in my head. Running calmed and quieted the storm inside me. From the start, it was a form of communication. My first attempts were frenzied, clumsy, somewhat incoherent, probably very profane conversations with myself. The question of what now came up a lot. I knew very little for certain. I knew there was a God, and I knew it wasn't me. I knew I had to be done playing God. I wasn't good at it. I embraced recovery and through it found a true connection with God and a real relationship with Him. Prayer and meditation are part of my daily discipline and the truth is I find it easiest to do this while running. My mind is clear and open. The repetition of foot hitting pavement, breath, breathe in, breathe out, repeat, 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 lulls and quiets my mind. Running remains communication for me, but now it is communication with God. Each step is prayer. I ask him to move into my heart and make himself real inside me. I ask him to direct my thinking and run my life. I ask him to mold me and shape me into the person he would have me to be. I ask him to walk with me throughout my day and to help me do whatever work he would have me do. I ask him to make me strong enough to do it. These are the thoughts that circle through my mind when I run. I am calmed and quieted. I am at peace because I have faith that he will do these things. I am comforted because I understand I no longer have to carry the burden. As my body has become stronger, my will has bent to him. Each step has deepened my surrender. I am able to run because he allows it. I am able to feel the glorious freedom of flying through the miles because it is his will for me. I only have my life because he has given it to me. I ask him daily to show me what he would have my life look like and to help me achieve it. I know that such a life will be far greater than any I can orchestrate for myself. God returned me to the path. He met me right where I was at the very moment that I turned to Him. He took my hand in His. He has always been there, waiting. For years He lovingly nudged me this way or that while I learned my lessons, sometimes gently, sometimes not so gently, until I slowly, finally, got the message. When the day comes that I'm no longer able to run, it will be a sad day indeed, but God will be there, and he will help me find other ways to connect to him, for I am his now, and there is nothing better to be. That's an incredible story drum roll please and the number one story again according to dean you may have a different number one story but this one was so special to me and this story is called and then god sent bubba it was in episode number 154, way back near the beginning of the, the year. Um, it's an unforgettable story from Jerry Siegler and her journey to finish that marathon. This story also includes a follow-up um, that makes the story even more amazing. And there could be no other story of the year, in my humble opinion. I love everything about this story. And if you have not heard it, I know you'll love it too. And here it is. And then God sent Bubba. You're going to do what? Those were my husband's words when I told him that God had called me to join the Run for God Couch to Marathon group. What about your severe foot pain and your back issues? You're not a runner. I said, I believe God wants me to do this, He knows my issues in detail. So, like Forrest Gump, I ran. 60 seconds, 20 minutes, 2 miles, 5K and 10K. I never missed a workout. To my surprise, I was going strong. At the end of August, I developed a pain in my upper left hamstring just under the glute. It didn't feel great, but after one or two miles, the pain was tolerable. I was still running strong, gaining speed, and hitting my mileage goals. When I ran my first half marathon in October, I nailed it. Even though I experienced pain all the way, I finished second in my age group, which is 60 plus, I felt the presence of a loving God who knew I would hurt. By Thanksgiving, runs were getting longer, training was becoming more difficult, and I developed sciatica on my right side. The relentless pain prevented sleep. I was up all hours of the night, roaming the house, seeking relief my condition worsened causing me to run slower with each passing week my family and prayer warriors prayed fervently against what i believed was an attack by satan massage physical therapy and the chiropractor cost me a small fortune the pain on my left side was relentless during my first sixteen mile training run i cried out to god with each step to ease the pain take it away At the end of the run, I was sobbing and felt deflated. I decided to scale back on my long runs, breaking them into two days of back-to-back miles. That change, prayer, and PT helped my sciatica to the point where I could at least sleep again. Seeing my struggle, my friends and family were deeply concerned. They encouraged me to wait until the following year so I had more time to heal and train. But I believed in a God who foreknew my pain and still called me to run in January. Finally, the Big Beach Marathon banner hung above me as I stood with the pack of runners. My husband encouraged me with a smile. I smiled back, not knowing what my time would be, but praying I wouldn't finish last. For the first eight miles, I stuck to my plan of running two miles and walking a quarter. But the pain became too intense and forced me to walk for another eight. I felt defeated. I searched for God. I needed divine intervention. And then God sent Bubba. Bubba was a sweeper. I knew what it meant to see a sweeper come up beside you. He said, if you want to finish on time, you have to pick up your pace. I walked faster, but that didn't satisfy him. That's still not enough. I realized I released a groan and started running, which wasn't much faster than my walk. On several occasions, Bubba ran ahead and brought back water and Gatorade from the stations. You can't stop, he said. Drink while you run. I'm I'm certain more liquid missed my mouth (laughs) than made it inside. About three miles from the finish line, my right calf cramped. I took three steps and hit the ground hard, Bubba immediately massaged my calf and flexed my foot. He helped me up and ran ahead to return with a pack of mustard. The pain was excruciating as I wobbled into the home stretch. Bubba held my arm while, I needed, while when I needed it and encouraged me to keep going. He told me that stopping wouldn't make the pain go away. Neither will running, I thought to myself. I could barely lift my feet as I ran past the people cheering from the deck. Don't wave, don't even look at them, Bubba says. Just run, just keep running. Suddenly Mitchell was beside me also. He saw the tremendous struggle and pain written on my face. He reminded me that God has a lesson through all of this. So with Mitchell holding my hand and Bubba holding my arm, I finally see the banner. My husband joined me, took my hand and guided me over the finish line. I collapsed in his arms as he told me how proud he was of me. When God leads us into service or obedience through life, he never promises to do everything for us or take away all of our struggles and pain. What he does promise is that through everything we face in life, he will be beside us all the way. He encourages, he strengthens, he upholds, and he loves For whatever reason, God wanted me to train for a year and run this marathon. I believed I had to be faithful to His prompting and be obedient to His calling. As it turns out, I was the last person across the finish line within the time limit, with eight seconds to spare. God didn't answer my plea to not finish last, but He showed me and taught me something much deeper in a way I hadn't expected. Because at the end of the Big Beach Marathon, God showed up to run beside me to strengthen, encourage, and uphold me through a man named Bubba. That's an awesome story. Well, we have a follow-up to that, too. So, Jerry decided she was so thankful for Bubba Mm -hmm. that she contacted the people, the race organizers, and they sent her Bubba's number. Mm -hmm. And so, this is the email she sent to Bubba. Bubba, I'm calling you that because you told me that was your name. Thank you for all you did for me during the Big Beach Marathon. I have a feeling that you went beyond the scope of your sweeper role to help me finish that race. I honestly know that I would not have finished without your help and encouragement. I want you to know how much your act of compassionate kindness meant to me. I have attached a copy of a story I submitted to the Run for God ministry. Dean, Run for God coach, and Mitchell, the man that ran with us the last two miles, and ministry founder, will be sharing my story on an upcoming podcast. I have had the privilege to tell many people about you. Each time I share, not only am I touched again by what you did, but they are too. Often, there are tears from us all. Thank you again. Know that you have impacted not only my life, but others as well. And thank you for allowing me to contact you. May God continue to use you for his glory. And then his follow-up to her. Wow, this is really cool. I'm also happy to know that you're still alive. Here's a little secret. I prayed at the start that God would use me to help someone's dream of completing a marathon come true. (laughs) I love the randomness of two people asking God for the same complimentary prayers at the same event. When I came across you at mile 17, and I distinctly remember when I met you, I knew you and I had a destiny to fulfill by the end of the day. I had already removed six people from the course, but when I met you, I knew you were going to finish. I never had a doubt. I didn't tell you this because I didn't want to distract you, but two weeks earlier, I qualified for the Boston Marathon. At mile 18, I started throwing up and couldn't eat gels. I started cramping and hurting everywhere. Two miles out, my toes and my right foot cramped, and I knew I couldn't stop, so I had to run through the pain. Afterwards, I rolled around on the ground for 30 minutes in the worst pain in my life. I kept telling you I knew your pain, and I kept telling you it was going to hurt whether you finished or not because I knew where you were. I was never worried for your health. If I thought you were going to hurt yourself, I would have told you to quit. What you felt was normal. (laughs) It was your mind that had quit. Like I said... I never had a doubt in you finishing, and I was so happy to see you cross that finish line. I couldn't sleep for two to three days just thinking about it and being grateful I could help. Now, you didn't really finish last. I removed six people. They still haven't finished, and technically, you beat me. So, you accomplished all your goals. One question. You didn't seem to care if you finished. Like it was something that you didn't really care about one way or another. So my question for you is, are you glad to have finished? Hmm. And that's our top 10. Thank you so much for indulging me on this list. Of course, there were many more worthy stories that I did not get to share. I could only share 10 of them. You heard some stories that were fantastical and some that were just ordinary things that God used to write his story. We all have a story and God tells us in the book of Matthew that we should be sharing it. I pray that you are able to touch people around you through the story God has written into your life this year. Happy New Year. May God bless every step of this New Year's journey. Go out there and shine your light. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.